0: Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan, additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening guys, happy Wednesday and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, Nate Diaz has one fight left on his UFC deal, and Kayla Harrison is talking about free agency. Before we get into all of that, I want to begin with what we saw this last weekend because guys, some crazy stuff happened over the past few days. You will fully be able to relate with me. How fun is it anytime you're giving predictions and you get one right and you got to say, I told you so. At anything, when you're a little kid all the way up to an adult, there's something fun about that, right? There's something fun about making a wild claim, but then it comes true. And everybody goes, how did you know? How did you call this? Guys, I had one and I can't prove it. I swear to goodness I had one. The world's worst predictor, I had one last week. I made you guys right here. I I was getting ready to roll it out to you guys, but news changed prior to me flipping it around. I only knew like 30 or 45 minutes. I still got beat. But I came to you right when they moved the weight class of Vittori, Paulo Costa to 195 pounds. And I told you guys, that won't happen. Now, this is coming from me. And that really matters because on Monday of last week on ESPN, I told George... This fight is not going to happen at 185 pounds. George asked me about the fight. He wanted an X's and O's. Likely he wanted a breakdown. And all I said is, George, we may not even get this fight because Paulo Costa is not going to make 185. Two days later, the weight reveals I was right and it gets changed to 195. I made you a whole video. I said what my problems were with that. My problem is that's not a weight class for one. That if you're going to go sit down and you're going to redo a whole thing of paperwork, make it a weight class of 205. And moreover, he's not going to make 195. Right? You have a guy who gave his word to make 185. Now you're going to take his word on it. Like, <laughs> there's no story there. You guys might remember Tito just went through this. Tito was supposed to make a weight class for Anderson Silva. He comes out to the media and says, I'm not making that weight, but I will make And he changed meaningfully. I mean, I think he put nine or eight or nine pounds on it. And then he, but he didn't make that one either. He didn't make what he agreed to make. Then he didn't make what he agreed to make. And then he made some other weight, but it really wasn't a story because when a liar lies to you a second time about the same subject, I mean, who's the fool, him or you? So I made you this whole video. And guys, within, within a half hour, that weight class was out and was back up to 205. So I had this told you so moment, but if you guys will re-go back, okay? When Paulo Costa or anybody doesn't make weight, you have to ask yourself, as the viewer, why? And you automatically will default to something negative as it pertains to discipline, where it was the discipline to not eat X food or it was the discipline to not get in and work out X amount. But if you put on your critical thinking hat, there's no other conclusion that you can come to other than lack of discipline and a question on in what area, and maybe multiple. So I think that we all assumed going into that fight that Paulo Costa was going to get tired. That he would not have the conditioning. And when you look like Paulo Costa, generally, right, When you got those big muscles, right, everything in life's a trade. And if you got big, beautiful muscles, you don't have cardio. If you have cardio, you usually can't go do 300 pounds on the bench press. It's just a trade. So we guessed, but Paulo Costa in no fight has ever shown fatigue. And I know he was exhausted in the Yoel Romero fight. I'm saying shown fatigue, where you see him slowing down. You see him giving minutes away, trying to beat the clock instead of the opponent. All sorts of strategies that you could do to hang on in those situations. Paulo's never done them. So I never felt that we had any evidence that Paulo's the guy that's going to get tired. But I think we did have a belief going into this he would, he didn't. That fight was awesome. That fight was absolutely awesome. And it was not the wrestler versus striker that some people tried to bill it. Marvin Vittori did have the upper hand in wrestling, but it was one time and it was in one round. I mean, that was a fisticuffs battle where Marvin showed just how damn tough he is. And Paulo Costa did the same thing, but they both held up. It was an absolute war. Now, you can never have one of these great classic fights, right, unless you have the ingredient that nobody wants to admit we all enjoy, which is controversy. So Paulo Costa poked Marvin in the eye. No debate. There is no controversy. That happened. And the referee gets to decide how he's going to deal with it. That is a judgment call within the moment. The referee decided to deduct a point. This was disputed. I saw people come out and dispute that official. Because they themselves have done similar and not been cautioned. Or they themselves had it happen to them and that no point was taken. Or they themselves witnessed somebody else do a worse eye poke and not have that reaction. That rule says you can take a point away. And thinking that you've seen an egregious foul that then the referee did not go within the confines... Of the set forth commission's rules and interpret that accurately? And you're going to use that? That somebody else along the way missed it? And therefore this referee was all supposed to look the other way? I don't understand that argument. You can lose a point for poking somebody in the eye. Okay, what happened here? He poked him in the eye. Do we dispute that? No, we don't. Everybody admits it, including uh, Apollo Costa himself? Yes. Okay, we are aware that you can take a point for that, correct? It's open to interpretation and judgment of the referee in the moment. Do we all agree? Okay, well, the ref took a point. What are we talking about? What in the hell are we possibly talking about? Unless you were to come in and make the claim that the referee saw it wrong and it simply didn't happen, there's nothing to discuss. There is all sorts of rules in this sport that never get enforced. All sorts of them. And I've brought you guys this a number of times over the years, but to crawl up on the cage after a contest in celebration or for any other reason is a 10% fine. It's a big deal. The commission is to keep the action here and keep the audience out here, right? You remember Khabib and Connor, just by example. The commission failed to secure that area. But reasonably, we'd never seen anything like that happen before. There's also been a couple of stories where athletes have crawled up on that cage, jumped down, injured themselves or others. There was a Bellator fight. There was a Bellator. I'm trying to think of who it was. I can see him in my head if I can produce the name. And you guys would know the name. Fight ends. He climbs up on the cage and just the Justin Gaethje. Stands on the cage facing the audience and hits a backflip. Right? The Justin Gaethje. Guy did an embellator and the camera person trying to catch it. The back they landed on that person, injured that person and the equipment. So when I bring to you that it's a big deal, whether you like that or not, it is a rule, but there's very few commissions that will call it. Most commissions, say, hey, just get down. Just come on down. You can't do that. Well, you want to stop it from happening, you believe in the rule that you set forth, find the guy. There's only, there's only a few things we can't do in this sport. It's pretty wide open. So if you violate any rule, in my own opinion, and I'm not a prude on rules, I just acknowledge there's only so many. If we're not going to call them, what in the hell are they here for? So in the Paulo Costa situation, poked the guy in the eye, referee made a decision, exactly what the rules say, cost a point. Paulo Costa ended up losing that fight by two points. And I bring that up because so many people, it's like they're not doing the math and they think it was one point and they think it was a draw or they think it was gonna favor Paulo and it went to Vittori because of the point. It was two points, it was a two-point spread, unanimous, straight across the board. What are you talking about? Help me out on that. What the hell are you talking about? Marvin Vittori, this is not even a maybe. This is not even a let's wonder. Not even a discussion. Marvin, let him heal up. Marvin's got the right. He's on cloud nine. He earned it. Let him have his 15 minutes for sure. But once he starts coming down, he's going to be looking for something else to do. Two words, Sean Strickland. No question. And a lot of times there are, but there's not right now. 85-pounders are booked up, top to bottom. Your champion is booked up. Your number one contender's fight is between two. Kelvin Gaslam has left... The division. Luke Rockholt's got a a vertebrae in it. Sean Strickland. That's your answer. And the problem that you got with Sean Strickland, it's Sean's problem right now. Nobody wants to fight him. These guys are scared to death of him. Marvin Vittoria will take that fight today. I don't mean that he'd walk in the cage and could do it today. He will agree to that fight today. I don't know that you could even say that about anybody. Nobody wants to fight Sean Strickland. In all fairs, nobody wants to fight Marvin Vittori. And not to mention, if those two teamed up, I believe they could steal the imagination of the organization and you, the audience, as the number one contenders fight. And that's a problem. That's a big problem for Derek Brunson. That's a big problem for Jared Cannonier. I think that those two could steal the imagination and the thunder away. And the only thing that they've got against them is a little bit of politics, which is how do you put Marvin Vittori in a number one contenders fight if Adesanya's still the champ and then you try to run him out there for part three? It's tough. It's tough. It can be done. But the idea of Sean versus Marvin, not to mention, this is how Daniel Cormier explained it. And I like this explanation. Daniel made a video, and he said that Vittori did a face turn. Now, that's a pro wrestling expression. That's a vernacular from the world of wrestling. You have a face, short for baby face. You have a heel. The baby face is the good guy. The heel is the bad guy. And when Daniel talks about the turn, okay, you have the guy everybody hates, and then he does a turn, and everybody loves him. And Vittori is rough, right? I take Marvin or I'll leave Marvin. Angry Marvin? Amongst my favorite characters on television right now, amongst my favorite characters in sport, not just this one. So when you get angry Marvin that's getting in dust-ups at hotels, who's pissed off about everything all the time, and then he goes out and pulls a badass move like he did last week, which was to not only agree to change weights, to change it twice against Paulo Costa. People used to call Paulo the Terminator. You could talk about the scariest guys in MMA. It is unanimously Francis Ngannou. For that word, for scary. It's followed by Paulo Costa. A picture's worth a thousand words. The guy looks like he's carved out of stone. He hits with bricks on his hands. He never gets fatigued. He's got a black belt in jujitsu. He had all but a perfect record aside from Izzy Adesanya. I mean, there's just things about him that are flat intimidating. Marvin dealt with all of that, no problem. Went into the uh, the favorite. Changed weights, never said a word. Changed weights a second time, never used as an excuse. Fought 25 minutes, got fouled, I he gets poked in the eye. Guys quit fights for getting poked in the eye. I have never seen a guy, I'll go as far as to tell you this, I have never seen a guy in practice... I was in practice room since I was nine years old. I have never seen a guy in practice get poked in the eye and finish practice. And I'm surrounded by tough guys. But it is that bothersome. It is so bothersome. I'm out. I got to sit out. You're blinking, you can't see, your eyes, well, you got to get some ice on it. I have never seen a guy get poked in practice and finish the practice. Now, I couldn't tell you a fight in MMA where a guy got poked and quit. If it's happened, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I realize that Marvin's not the only tough guy that pushes through. I'm just sharing with you for anybody that deals with that. I have never in all my years of practice seen a guy get a low blow, oh, where he needs a minute, get a low blow and finish that round. 30 plus years in the practice room I have never seen anybody be poked in the eye and finish the day I've never seen anybody hit with a low blow and get up and finish that round it's very unique to MMA and live competition and my only point here to prove for you and while Marvin wasn't the first and he won't be the last it's a hard thing to do all I'm attempting to prove it's a hard thing to do he got up and did it anyway everybody loves him everybody loves Marvin which only adds to putting him with one of the few heels we got left. Sean Strickland. So that is what I think about Marvin Vittori and his future. And coming up next, I'll tell you what might be in the cards for Paulo Costa. But before that, a quick word about today's presenting sponsor, DraftKings. UFC 267 Action is live in Abu Dhabi this Saturday afternoon. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for the light heavyweight title bout. New customers can bet just $5 on either fighter to win. If they do, $200 in free bets is yours. Will the champion retain his belt or will the veteran from Brazil snatch it from him? Bet just $5 on the UFC 267 Main Event and win $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Throw down just $5 on the UFC 267 Main Event and win $200 in free bets if your fighter gets his hand raised. That's CODE CHAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Paulo Costa, light heavyweight. I like the sounds of that, guys. Right? But I'm the one that reminded you, or at least came out with a prediction. Turned out, am I right or wrong? Is my prediction now right or is it wrong? When Paulo Costa got done fighting, Israel Adesanya said he won't go back to middleweight. Now, I was of course predicting that would be designed, that Paulo Costa and his team would come out and announce we're going to light heavyweight, fresh coat of paint brand new path back to the throne but am i still right paulo costa has not returned to middleweight he went to light heavyweight exactly as i said and he's not going to return to middleweight and, and paulo costa was pushing back on that a little bit saying no no middleweight's my division no it's not it's not we've proven that don't make don't make the same mistake twice he not only failed to make 185 pounds, he failed to make 195 pounds, and that's it. Just means he's a light heavyweight. Let's not kick Paulo Costa. He did a wonderful performance, and he also went five full rounds, which means he's championship quality, which means he's main event worthy. Paulo Costa looked great, absolutely great. I wonder what he would look like if he knew he was going in that division. Wonder if he look what he would look like if he could focus more purely on the training, and not the weight cut. Guys that cut weight will really know what I'm alluding to there, but there is so much of your day, so much of your process that is dedicated to beating that scale the day before the match that you take your eye off the ball. You have no choice. It's part of the sport. So what would happen if Paula didn't have to do that? What could happen if he could be a little bit happier, be a little bit more comfortable, travel a little bit easier and have a a fresh set of guys? I mean, look, 205 pounds is a mess right now. Glover Teixeira is going to fight for the world championship. Glover Teixeira is the rightful number one contender. It's a mess right now. John Jones walked away from the division. Dominic Reyes, who beat John and lost a decision, says he's not going to fight until last year. Next year, then you got these guys like Rachik, who are straight-up killers, but maybe not household names. You have guys like Anthony Smith, who will fight absolutely anybody. I mean, right? you want to talk about Lionheart, as you're talking about what Paulo Costa is going to do next? I will predict for you Paulo Costa is going to fight Lionheart. But I don't suggest for you that that's necessarily the right fight to make. The 205-pounders are not going to call Paula Costa out. They're going to see what I just stated. They're going to see a Terminator who they never once planned for. And one thing the top guys never want to do is see somebody new. Top guys don't have to face anybody new. If you make it in the top five ranking, you will stay within that ranking. When you go to bed each night, you go to practice each day, you will have one of five guys that you're going to be facing. You will be right. There'll be nothing new getting thrown in there. And once the new thing gets thrown in there, those top guys puck are up real tight. So I bring Anthony Smith for you because even though we're only three days removed, nobody said Paulo Costa's name. Dana White says he's going to the division. Nobody's challenged him. This is a main event guy who recently fought for a world championship. He matters and no 205-pounders called him out. It's not going to take too long for Sean and Mick to figure out, well, we need a fight for him that matters, and Lionheart will fight anyone. Oh, by the way, Lionheart's a main eventer, and this guy looks like he does pretty good at main events. I mean, right, you just start bringing these guys together by process of elimination. And I'm, I'm, my only elimination here that I'm eliminating is the chickens that won't do the fight. And I found one guy who I happen to know will, and I don't think that's enough. I don't think Lionheart should have to jump on that grenade, in all fairness. Paulo Costa coming in is something that guys, top guys, are going to need and have the right to assess, even if it's one time. They've earned the right, getting their way up into that top five, up into that echelon. So when you see some of those resistance and all of this chicken stuff that you get from these fake tough guys in a tough guy business, a little of that frustration is warranted. When you're getting thrown a curveball that you fully acknowledge is coming down the pipe pretty damn fast. And that's what Paulo Costa is. I think Paulo Costa would serve himself very well to get the call-out train going. The sooner he does a call-out, that will tell us that he now acknowledges he's at 205. And if he plays this game with himself, it's psychological, right? Aspen Ladd is going through it right now. Number three girl in the world just doesn't believe she's a 45-pounder yet. John Jones is going through it right now. Top guy in the world doesn't believe he can change weight classes just yet. So you got to get over that piece. And that's very internal and personalized to each athlete. And there's no wrong answer how that goes. We will just be signified as the audience that that psychological hurdle has been conquered by Paulo Costa once Paulo calls out a 205 pounder. It can be anyone. But once he calls them out, that would be us, the audience, getting let behind the curtain that he has settled in and accepted his new division. You guys saw what I saw. You see Paul of Costa not too small, not too weak, not too tight, not too anything. You saw him look great. But until he understood, it's just like John Jones, guys. John Jones won a world championship, but he's just not there yet. You're going to see it with Aspen, too. Ranked number three in the world at 135. She will get a top three ranking quickly at 145 once she understands this is where she belongs. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. And I do think a 205-pounder would also be very well served to start calling out Paulo Costa right now. Show the courage. He's a main event fighter. Do you want that spot? Do you want the main event? Do you want these big matches? I see so many athletes that the answer is yes, but they don't know how to go about getting it. The answer really is yes. They really do want to be the top of the card. They don't know about getting it. And if they start doing call-outs, they make themselves vulnerable. They start setting themselves up for failure. If you walk to the mound like Babe Ruth and you say where you're going to hit the ball and you get it there, you will be a legend for hundreds of years. If you strike out, you'll look like a bigger fool than the guy that if you just walked out to the mine spit your tobacco, and took your three swings. It's different. Always put yourself on the hook. People say, I don't want to be on the hook. Yes, you do. Always be on the hook. Live life on the hook. Full pressure. houses on fire. Right now, 205 pounds is being asked a question. Who wants Paulo Costa? And if you have the sense that God gave geese, which you don't, None of you will do that. If you had the sense that God gave Geese and you weigh 185 pounds, you would be screaming Paulo's name. You would be the one guy calling Paulo Costa out in a division that he can't get to. The fight that you don't want, evident of the fact that none of you cowards called him out ever in the history of Paulo Costa have any of you wimps called him out at 185. But now you wimps don't even have to go do it. You can just get the credit. None of you have done it. None of you will do it. And none of your managers brought this to you. Before you're looking at the man in the mirror and thinking, man, you are one stupid son of a bitch. You're right. You're right, middleweights. You are. You you have the right to tell the man in the mirror how stupid he is. You're right. But why are you listening to these managers if none of your managers have called you and told you start calling out Paulo Costa? Oh, I don't want to fight him. I'm really scared of him. He's got big muscles. You're not going to fight him. You're just going to get the headlines about fighting him so another story came out on Saturday night had something to do with Dana White at the press conference and it caught my attention I want to bring it to yours all right guys let's unpack this Nate Diaz so got to insert myself because I get a text from Nate before I go any further at the end of this text exchange with Nate I say to him is anything here private He says no. So to release that, get a text from Nate, and he asks my opinion. And that right away makes me feel good. I like when somebody wants to know what I think, but I'm also very strategic within my thoughts. I think I'm a good guy to ask. I love Nate Diaz. Nate's never asked me my opinion, and I said that to him right off the bat. I said, Nate, in all these years, you've finally come to the master. And he gives me, you know, the thumbs up emoji, something along these lines. So we start to have a conversation. Now, I felt as though I was armed without Nate saying it with a large part of the story, which you guys all know because it's been posted online, which goes something like this. Nate has one fight left in his UFC deal. He would like to honor that fight. He would like to be a free man. Now, unlike anybody else that has ever been in that spot, particularly publicly, He's not looking to go and do MMA for somebody else. He's not even complaining with his UFC contract, saying he's unhappy, saying he was mistreated. None of that. He believes, according to the internet, that there's an opportunity to go and box Jake Paul. Now, I also spoke to Jake Paul in this. Stay with me in the story. Parts of this gets confirmed because Dana comes out as recently as the post-fight press conference for the show over the weekend and says Nate has one fight left on his deal. Dana doesn't get an asked up follow up question, he does not elaborate on that. But for the one question that Dana was asked, which was that, it's right in line with the rest of the story, just as you guys have heard it so when I'm talking to Nate, okay? Nate's saying, who do you think I should fight next? More importantly, why? Who do you think, but why? And one thing that I did gather from Nate, and not just in this conversation, but previous conversations with Nate, is Nate doesn't know how big of a deal Nate is. It's probably one of the reasons you guys all love him, and he stayed grounded, and he's one of these famous MMA guys that's made a bunch of money that you never read about for doing something bad on TMZ. He's just not a scumbag. He does not have his head in the clouds. He does not need to be grounded. He's the same guy today as he's always been, in the same town of Stockton, still teaching kids Jiu Jitsu, right? He's just the same guy. As cool as that is, if you lose touch a little bit with your place, it can be tough on the why, right? Because he asked me two things, who and why. Anything Nate does is going to be big guys, make no mistake. The order is extremely clear. The three biggest draws in MMA, Conor McGregor still, George Masvidal, Nate Diaz. And that two and three is a very close split, but I only bring that to you because whatever Nate does next is gonna be a big deal. We get that, we agree to that. Leon Edwards, by example, that fight made Nate next to no sense. For us, the viewer. We're going, wait a minute. Leon's great, but he's not a recognizable name. Nate is this huge star who's going to need a partner. One thing that Nate Diaz and George Masvidal formed was a partnership. They don't get along to this day. That rematch to this day could jump off in a hotel if they pass each other. But they were partners. Nate had something very special, and he extended that to Mosvitol, who also did his end of the bargain, bringing attention. The presence of The Rock at that fight has been credited to Mosvitol, and I have no reason to disagree with that. So Mosvitol also brought something. They were partners. I don't feel that Nate had a partnership with Leon. I don't think any of you guys disagree, and I'm only bringing Leon into this using the past as the greatest trajectory to the future. Because when I'm talking to Nate, he keeps talking about Luke. And I finally said to him, Nate, why do you want to fight Luque? And he said, because of the number next to his name. So now we're in a situation where I'm going, Look, that's a tough night out. is a tough night out for anybody. Ask the last seven guys. Seven of those guys, and I don't believe five of them made it to the distance. Nate, why do you want to become the number one contender if you're not going to use the contendership? I don't say these things to him, okay? This was all a text message. But I'm thinking that, Nate, like any fighter, you want the biggest bang for the littlest effort. Very hard, very hard philosophy to fulfill because this sport is so difficult. But that's still what you're looking to do. The biggest bump you can get for your name and your brand and your market, for your paycheck and your ego and your legacy, for the least amount of effort. That is not Luque. Why take the risk if we don't want his spot? Luque, I went and looked it up. He's got a beautiful number. It's three. Did you guys know that? Luque's ranked number three in the world. So why do you want that? I can live with the answer, whatever it was, but this is still the question. If you're just looking to fulfill your contract, So, Nate had brought Tony Ferguson's name up. Tony Ferguson checks a lot of boxes. I mean, the nostalgia of that fight alone. And you can really judge that at, say, a weigh-in. Weigh-ins are free. Anybody can come if you guys have ever attended a weigh-in. We got 2,000 seats to fill up. The first 2,000 people, come on in. Have a seat over there. And when you look at how many people will come to that at an off hour, like 4 o'clock... On an off day, like Friday, it's really remarkable when you can sell out a weigh-in, when you can fill up a weigh-in. Nate Diaz has done that multiple times. I was at the weigh-in he had in Los Angeles when he fought Anthony Pettis. I have never been to a weigh-in like that in my life for the reception that Nate, and only Nate, received. The heavyweight championship of the world was contested. I'm not saying the reception everyone got. I am saying the reception Nate got. They walk out to that ring. I mean, this thing is going to be massive. What happens on the other side? No one knows. We can only begin to guess. But if you're trying to be strategic, you have to try to make these guesses. So now it's my turn to submit a name for Nate. I just want to know what name I put out there. I think this might surprise you. You ready for this? Paul Felder. Paul Felder checks a lot of boxes. If Nate is going to fight for one big last send-off, and we all acknowledge, we all want to see it, and it's going to be a big deal. I don't know that anything needs to be at stake. Egos, legacy, reputation, ranking, contendership. I don't know that it needs to be. It's a very unique spot for the UFC that only puts on meaningful matches. They're going to do one that's fun, and every now and then we get to have fun. It's very rare in the UFC. It's about meaning and purpose. Sometimes we get to have some fun. And I felt as though Paul Felder checked that box. Nobody loses anything. Nobody loses a ranking. Nobody loses esteem. I like the X's and O's. I even like that they're both triathletes. I I feel as though we could have a whole triathlete angle to this watching these guys prepare. But this is the name that I submit. I'm justifying in case some of you didn't like that name. I'm justifying where I came from. And I don't know how helpful Nate wants me to be at this point. When he comes to me, I want to be completely helpful. It's the first time he's asked. I want to do it just right. And I can reach Paul Felder. I can reach Dana White. I can make, single-handedly, I could make this thing happen if I'm understanding everybody correctly. So Nate says, let me sleep on it. That's where we leave off. Thanks, Chael. I'm going to sleep on it. I wake up the next morning. I get up early every day. I've got a text already waiting for me. It says two words Tony Ferguson. So it's at that point that I go to Nate and say, Is any of this private? And he says, No. And I said, All right, I'm going to do my part. My part is to get the word and the story out. But Nate was never overly candid in confirming. He wasn't trying to avoid this. I don't think, I don't know that I asked my question to him directly enough in a text. He was never overly helpful in confirming. The rumors to be true that he would like to exhaust this contract so that he can go and fight Jake Paul. So that when I told you I talked to Jake Paul, I went to Jake. Here's what I think. Do I have it right? Jake said, yeah, you got it right. Jake said, that's the fight. I'm tired of fighting these old guys. I'm tired of not getting my credit when I go whip some stud's ass. I want an active, busy guy that everyone knows. That's a hard night out and nobody can take it from me. I'm changing Jake's words. But I'm very close and I do know what his meaning was. Because he is sincere. Jake is very sincere in this quest. Okay. Hey Jake, by the way, what does that do to this Fury kid? I was told that that's done. And Jake said, first off, I would pay him to sit aside. And secondly, it's not done. All Fury has done is price himself out of this match. I'm looking to move on. And if you're asking me for a straight shot, if I had a chance at Nate and I would do it, yes, it would be Nate. Okay. There's a story. I don't think I shared anything with you guys that was new. I've confirmed things you've heard and beliefs that you've had because of the things that you've heard. I don't believe I revealed anything new. None of that can just happen, guys. None of it. There's another arm. There's a mechanism. If we're all in agreement and Dana confirmed that Nate owes one more, when is that one going to be given? If Nate and Jake want their way, it would be given tonight, done and free. We can book this, move on, and go into our piece of business together. Is that going to work for the other side? The other side has a guy. They like the guy. Guys, their number three most marketable, monetizable athlete they have. And an athlete only has one commodity, which is the performance. So is it going to work for the other side? We don't, we don't know this yet. We don't have any, any reason to believe that it won't, but we don't have any confirmation that it will. And I still maintain, why not bring the other side along? I look at the things that happened over the course of the UFC. Network television deal with Fox, their own digital platform known as Fight Pass, and now the ultimate step which is the worldwide leader of ESPN. But I never saw Dana leave anybody else behind. I never saw Dana try to carve somebody else out. And at the same time as one of these broadcast deals took place, Dana had absorbed the WEC, he had absorbed Strikeforce, and he absorbed Pride. So he has a whole new set of athletes that were big, monetizable, recognized, highly ranked names. He took his own guys that had already been there, had already done some heavy lifting and already set the table, or at least helped, and he brought them when he elevated. And it just makes me wonder, why aren't we trying to bring... right? The worst kept secret in combat is that Dana White likes boxing, that is the single worst kept secret that Dana would like to do something with boxing. It seems as though there should at least be the conversation of, do I need to exhaust my contract and fulfill my obligation to you, not attempting to hide what it is I would like to do? Or can can we do this together? I owe you one, but the time is now for this other thing. Is my word good? I've been here 10 years. Is my word good? Because if you let me do this other thing, I'll come back and do this one for you. And we can even go do this together. I just feel, if that conversation doesn't happen, even if it falls on its face, if it does not happen, it will bother me. On an ethical level, that'll bother me. But I would also wonder why not. Why wouldn't have that happened? I'm going to leave it at that. More to be told. Very confident in predicting for you guys, Tony Ferguson accepts the challenge of Nate Diaz. Very confident. I speak with Tony regularly. I didn't even ask him. I know the answer to that, and so do you guys. The answer is yes. But when could that get done? Tony's got to go up to 170 pounds. There's some moving parts, hard fight, lot on it. Likely to be three rounds, unless they make the Diaz-Leon exception and go to five. I feel that it will be reserved for a pay-per-view card. Two guys who are masters of jiu-jitsu, and that's a very important world to them. When you get one jiu-jitsu ace and he puts it on the line against another, like the sensitivity in failure in that world is nothing like we relate to in MMA. Or even boxing, or even amateur wrestling, or judo, i taekwondo, or any other form of combat. It's, ve- it's a very unique, intrinsic risk that they would both be taking. Look, the story tells itself. I think we're going to be discussing it soon. I think that direction it's going to go. But I think if the piece isn't included and fully discussed and disclosed, that the final decision-maker has an ability to, at a minimum... Slow this down, that's not good for anybody, so have the conversation. That's my final piece of advice. Well speaking of fighters who might be looking at free agency soon, let's talk about one of MMA's biggest stars and where she might be headed next if she leaves the PFL. Things are interesting for Kayla Harrison. I've disclosed to you guys a number of times, I'll do it once more, I'm a fan. I'm a Kayla defender, I'm a fan. If you hear the way I talk about her, you'll think we were friends. In truth, I've never met her. I've never even been in the same room with her. I just really appreciate what she did for the country in her Olympic career. That means something to me, really does. I know what those athletes go through, I know what they get for, it meant something to me. I'm a Kayla fan, look. I'm saying things are interesting. I'm this close, guys. I'm an inch away from telling you things are looking good. But I have to say interesting because she is signed to the PFL, and I don't love the idea that she's currently flirting with other promotions. I find it unloyal. It was nothing that she did in her amateur career, and I have absolutely no other complaint or criticism as a fan. Right? I can be a fan. I can sit back and cheer for whatever I like. Same as you guys. But there was nothing within her amateur career that ever hinted at that to going to another team, to representing somebody else, to not putting on the red, white, and blue. And when she's with the PFL, she is constantly negotiating, not just with other organizations, with the PFL. And there's something about that, and it's the only thing, the sole only thing that bothers me. So I've got to put her category as interesting. If it was not for that, I would say... Things are looking good, and here's why. She got Dana White to come out and say, stay right where you are, keep beating up those girls, because the last thing you want is to come over here and have to fight Amanda Nunes. There is no beginning step that could leave the boss's mouth that is more helpful than that. You guys will remember, Dana White was about to have dinner in California and a film crew with TMZ rushed him on the sidewalk and asked about putting Masvidal against Conor McGregor and Dana said, I would not do that to Conor. He's not big enough. The very next time we saw Conor, he was a welterweight. It pissed him off. He wanted to prove there's something there. It's fighting talk. It's low-hanging fruit. It's playground stuff. I get it. It works. It works on all levels. It'll work on recess in your the third grade. It will work in the octagon on a pay-per-view. Now, Kayla was hip enough to this that she responded basically saying what I just did. She was basically excited when she heard that Dana said that because she knew... That was step one. And as far as getting a beef and a dust up between Kayla and Amanda, that has a whole backstory I don't know if you guys are exposed with. Their teammates, American top team, Florida, same gym, right? American top team, they got affiliates all over the place. No, 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 excuse me. They're in the same gym. They used to be on the mat together. There's so many athletes at that gym. It's it's an absolute factory of fighters that they have to stagger practice times. Not something I can relate to. Gyms I've always been to, the pros always go, at this time, we all went in there together. But top teams got so many athletes, their logistics are different. So when Amanda and Kayla chose to come together, be at the same practice at the same time with the same eyeballs on them, and pushing and pulling on each other, so the story goes, told by Kayla, Amanda... Stopped. Amanda told one of the coaches, hey, she's a problem. She's a potential problem. I don't want to go any further with this. Now, before you think that somewhere within that, that established that Amanda, one, conceded she wasn't winning those goes, or two, doesn't think that she uh, can beat Kayla, you're hearing that all wrong. If we take that story, which Amanda has never denied, and neither has anybody else, And Kayla seems like a very honest person. And not to mention, if you say something like that and you still belong to the gym, I mean, you see where that would be a problem? So let's take this at its word. Even though we can't prove it, let's take it at its word. We have a piece of evidence. We have a statement by Kayla. That does not at all mean Amanda's conceded a goddamn thing. Nothing. Means Amanda is saying, I see a potential here. I see a hunger and a size and a strength and an understanding. I am the champion, which means she's coming after my belt, and I'm going to be wise to not help her get there, to not help her to have the information and the skills that she needs to take what she wants, which is my championship. There is absolutely no concession or evidence. If Amanda came to that conclusion, and that is a straight-on, Chael's got all of the facts right here, there's no concession that Amanda was even losing those rounds. She saw something that was potential, that was somewhat impressive, and could turn into, fill in the blank, a future contender, My example. So that part of the story does get very interesting. I would love to hear that. I don't know how they're going to split that up. I came through amateur wrestling. You do not have to have a corner in amateur wrestling. You have to have it in the pros. You must have a licensed chief second or you are not walking to the cage. In amateur wrestling, it wasn't that way. So if it was teammate versus teammate, including when I'm a coach right now, if we have two teammates, there's no coaches in the corner. You guys figure it out. We'll we'll be over here. Might watch, might not. In the pros, you must. So now you've got to divvy up the gym. You've got to divvy up practice times. You've got to divvy up resources. you got to know if you got a rat. you got trusted opponents. Is there a common workout partner? Where Billy Sue's getting workouts with a man and Billy Sue's getting it with Kayla. And they're both trying to make friends with Billy Sue and see, see what's going on. I mean, those things are very real. You could relate to that. It, that doesn't go away. And there is some very helpful stuff to what Dana said. Stay over there. Fight those girls. You don't want to come here. You don't want to fight Amanda. I mean, in all fairness, Dana's already stated who, what, where, and why. We don't have the win, right? We need the fifth W. But who, what, where, and why has been stated on Kayla's behalf. That is the first step into Kayla potentially, We don't have a win, potentially coming over and the only name associated with hers right now within the UFC is, thanks to Dana, Amanda Nunes. So UFC 267 is just a few days away, and I can't wait for the 205 title fight between Jan Blachowicz and Glover Teixeira. To close out today's show, let's talk about that fight and one guy who will be watching it extra closely. I'm coming to you for help. I usually go and get information, and then I, I package it up and I bring it to you guys, right? Coming to you for help because Yuri. Prochaska has stated his interest in being the backup fighter for Jan Blahovich and Glover to share. What I'm asking you guys, is he the backup fighter and he's stating that he's happy that he's a backup fighter or is he coming out and saying he would like to be? Because I can go two different ways on this, right? If he's saying he would like to be, I would then need to tell him that that fight he's referencing happens to be this weekend and it happens to be on a different continent and he's going to have to get there, get within the bubble, get licensed, and get down to wait. I would happy to be the one to come and slap that cold water on his face and feel like I was scolding him. I would be pushing his face in it like the puppy that missed the paper. Or did I read it wrong? Did I read it wrong? And he's saying I am the backup fighter. Because if he is, that is one of those things that, for reasons unknown to me, do find a way of keeping secret. I don't like it. I don't get it. I think the backup fighter is one of the great... And one of the few great marketing arms that we have in the sport right now. But of course you can see the problem. You can't send the backup fighter on a media tour. You don't put the backup fighter on the poster. You put card subject to change. You don't ever talk about him. You don't roll him out there. Because you don't have him unless your card falls apart. So promoting the backup fighter could be viewed as demoting the whole goddamn event. But it's not. It's absolutely not. And if the organization, you're the backup fighter, and they don't see it my way, and they won't put you on a PR tour, go do your own. I got this message I'm bringing to you. Even if I'm confused on it, I got it from Yuri, and it's not as though the UFC set that up because they don't set up interviews with backup fighters. He should be driving that home. Ask Michael Chandler how being a backup fighter worked out for him. Ask Kumar Uzman, the pound-for-pound pound king right now, how being a backup fighter one night worked out for him. It is a fantastic arm. It puts you in front of everybody else. You're not only raising your hand and saying, I'm willing to do it. I'm uh, in my chest. Look at me. I'm a tough guy on Twitter. Man, you're sucking it up. You're doing the camp. You're going out there. You get very little participation, and you will step in on a moment's notice against one of two guys. There is no way to do a proper preparation and training camp for it. So the guys that agree, it's amazing. And we all see it. We love guys like this. But we also love when we can prove who they are. When we can identify them as clearly as, say, Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, who agreed to fight the guy that nobody else would fight, which is the only reason Hooker even got offered it. Hooker's got money. Hooker's got something to do. Go home. Hooker's got the right to bask in the glow and lay low a little bit. Hooker never would have been caught for turning that fight down. Ever. He would have gone to the grave. That was a private phone call that nobody was going to pressure him because nobody thought he would say yes anyway considering nobody else said yes and Hooker just got out of the cage. But he didn't say no. He said yes. And now we know. We, the audience, know. And we love it. We're owed this kind of information. So if Yuri, in fact, got himself licensed, went through a training camp, is willing on a worst-case scenario, which he's only going to know the day before, literally one day before, he will not get a single workout. He will sit in a room with his coach and go over the strategy for an opponent that at this point is down to two. Nobody will do this. That's a broad stroke, no boy. There are Kamara Usman's out there. There are Michael Chandler's out there. There are Yuri Kapraya's out there. But we, the audience, deserve to have that identified for us. It is the single greatest marketing tool in the sport. Right now, in my opinion. The great vehicle to break in the Dana White Contender Series, the ultimate fighter. Being ready on short notice. Those are your three number one ways in. Your number one way to the top to not only a main event, but to a world title fight is to be the backup fighter. But it's it's a tree falls in the woods, guys. But tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, doesn't make a sound. It's the same situation. Yuri deserves this message to be out. And if I got it wrong and I get to tease him and he said he wants to be a backup fighter on a fight that's gonna take place in four days and he doesn't even know it's taking place, I will put him in the same category as Sandhagen and I will take pleasure in doing it. I don't think that's what we have. I believe Yuri Prakash is the backup fighter, and if he is, he is owed his credit as a legit tough guy, which in this sport, there are very few. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Hey, if you enjoyed it, head over to Apple Podcasts, find your welcome, and leave us a review like our friend Gillis who criticized me but also said you're the man keep up the good work well thank you for that and thank all of you for listening I'm going to be back on Friday until then I'm Chael Sonnen and you are welcome